Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for listening to our weekly audio sermons podcast. Duns Creek Baptist Church is a community alive by grace and known by love. We long to be a force for good here in Putnam County, Florida. You can learn more about us on the web by visiting dunscreekbaptist.org or visit us any Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for worship. Now please enjoy the message. Well, here we are in week number two, number three, number three. We are in week number three of a sermon series we've been on now, walking together through the book of Joshua called Onward. And the whole idea behind this sermon series, the whole idea behind where we are going over these uh, six or seven weeks is this idea that we are living through an unprecedented and unexpected season of life right now. We are, in many ways, kind of wandering through the wilderness, but we believe that there is an end coming to this season. As, as crazy as 2020 has been, as wild as 2020 has been, here is the truth about 2020. It will end. Believe it or not, I was talking to someone last week, and they said that 2000, the last five months have they said the last six months of their life have been the longest five years they've ever been through. I just love the way they put that. But this season will come to an end. This coronavirus season will come to an end. This political season will come to an end. This year and all that it's brought with us will come to an end. But here's what we need to remember, is that you and I are not going back to who and what we were before all of this happened. And in fact, I think one of the hardest parts for us as we have walked together through this strange and unprecedented season of life is that we're actually mourning something within it. We're we're mourning the loss of life, we're mourning all the things that have been lost and the, the loss of financial opportunity and all of those things, but we are more than that, I believe, we are mourning the loss of the people that we were before all of this started. Because you and I are not going back to what normal was before all of this. We are walking into uncharted territory. We will be on the other side of this, walking into a brand new season of life with brand new opportunities and brand new challenges, and I believe a fresh calling from the Lord in the middle of it. So here is what I'm endeavoring to lead us into, and this is what I'm hoping as a church that we are willing to embrace together, it is this, since we're not going back to where we were, since we can't go, I really wish we could have yesterday back, if you have lived your life constantly longing for yesterday, you know you're not getting yesterday back. So since we're not getting yesterday back, since we're not getting the way things were back, how do we be best equipped and prepared to walk into the uncharted territory that's ahead. And I believe that God's calling for his people, God's calling for his people in this community, God's calling for his people in this world, is that we would actually lead into the uncharted territory where we are headed. That we would actually lead into the new lands where we are headed. And one of the things that I love so much about reading the book of Joshua is that we get to see this biblical example of what it looks like to lead into brand new uncharted territory, 
we get to see what it looks like to lead into a land that we have not been to before. And so I believe that as followers of Jesus, as, as we are enduring this season, we need to not just simply look at this season of life as one we have to survive, but I believe that God is calling us right now to begin to be prepared and equipped for what God wants to do in us and through us on the other side of this. Which is to say this, you and I need to be best prepared and equipped and positioned to lead on the other side of this. We need to be best equipped and prepared and positioned to receive the fullness of the blessing of God on the other side of all of this. And that means we've got to throw out the idea of passive waiting. Because there is no such thing as passive waiting in Scripture. There is only active waiting, which means you and I have responsibilities in all of this waiting. And so as we've journeyed together through the first two weeks of this sermon series, we talked about our preparation principles. We had three preparation principles in week one, and of course last week we looked at our breakthrough principle. And so today we're going to be focusing on three principles. I'm calling them our victory principles. Today, as we walk into week three, where the walls come down. Week three, where the walls come down. Now, before we jump into today's scripture, a little background. How many of you have seen a movie that has a really big, dramatic uh, uh, kind of height of the plot? Like, there's this pinnacle of the plot of the movie, and it's big and dramatic, but the movie seemed like it was really slow building up to it. For me, I'll give you an example. Titanic. Now, Titanic is a three-hour-long movie, and for the first hour and 51 minutes of the movie, they have not yet hit the iceberg. There's an entire movie before the actual story about Titanic begins. So, there's this build-up. There's this build-up. It's the moments before the action. The moments before the action. Now, see, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of action movies because I feel like action movies give you a very, very short window of build-up and then you launch right into it. So for me, favorite movie or one of Die Hard. Now, here's the thing about Die Hard. Die Hard, you are thrust into the action pretty quickly. And I like that. But you and I are living through a season right now where we're not really being thrust into the action really quickly. Unfortunately, I think we're living through Titanic more than we're living through Die Hard. And I'm realizing now that was probably a bad metaphor to pick because I don't think we're going to hit an iceberg and drown. I think there's good things coming for us at the end of all of this. What I mean is there's a whole lot of buildup to get to the action. There's a whole lot of buildup to get to the season that we're going through. There's a whole lot of buildup to get to the crucial moment. Now, here's why that matters. We are today in chapter 6 of Joshua, and here's what we know so far. Joshua and the Israelites have crossed the Jordan into the promised land. Finally, after generations and generations, after hundreds of years of slavery, God has finally come through on his promise, and the people of Israel have crossed the Jordan on dry land into the promised land. 
The only problem is as we enter into chapter 6 of Joshua, here's what is true. There's a whole lot of other people in the promised land. There's a whole lot of other people, which means in order for the Israelites to live into the blessing that God has promised, there's a lot of battles ahead. The same is true for us. In order for us to live into the fullness of what God has promised, there's a whole lot of battles on the horizon. And we need to be equipped to fight those battles. We need to be equipped with some victory principles that are going to help us. Because the Israelites didn't cross the Jordan River at some random place. The Israelites crossed the Jordan River opposite a small town known as Gilgal. That was about a mile and a half from a city called Jericho. Now Jericho was a heavily walled and fortified city and the people of Israel knew that as soon as they stepped into the blessing, a battle would come. And here's what you need to know. You and I have an enemy. We have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. And when you begin to step into the promise of God, when you begin to step into the fullness of the blessing of God, there's going to be an enemy that's going to come up. You're going to face some opposition. And so here's what I love about Joshua. Joshua did not lead the people to avoid the battle. Joshua did not lead the people to sneak around Jericho. Joshua realized, here is the first battle. We can't avoid it. We can't run from it. We can't pretend like it's not there. We've got to face it. We can't be afraid. We've got to face the battle head on. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and begin reading today's scripture beginning in Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was a strongly fortified was strongly fortified because of the Israelites, no one leaving or entering. And the Lord said to Joshua, "Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. March around the city with all the men of war circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Okay? Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the ram's horns. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear it sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance, each man straight ahead. Skip on to verse 15. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way that was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priest blew the ram's horns, and Joshua said to the troops, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So real quick, everyone take a deep breath. <clears throat> All together now, everyone take a deep breath. I need our best shout. I need our best shout. And we, we're going to be loud here together, okay? We're going to be loud here. So here's what we're going to do. Pretend for a second, and I know this is going to take some big imagination. I'm sorry for that. I want you to pretend for a second the Jaguars have made it into the Super Bowl. 
They're down by six. Eight seconds left on the clock. Fourth quarter, fourth down, three-yard line. As the seconds trail off of the game clock, they hike the ball. Gardner Minshew throws a pass to one of our random wide receivers. He brings the ball down. The referee's arms go up. Now, that's the kind of shout I'm looking for. Okay? So here we go. On the count of three, I want to shout. One, two, three. Okay, okay. I, I misjudged my audience. I'm sorry. It's not the Jaguars. It's the Gators for the national championship. Maybe that'll be better. Maybe, maybe we'll get a better experience here. So it's Florida. Miraculously has won the SEC. I'm... Roll tight over there. Better calm down. Okay. Florida's magically won the SEC. They're in the title game. Same scenario. Catch the ball in the end zone. Ref's hands go up. Let's try that, all right? So I need a big shout. One, two, three. Okay. That's, that's a little bit better. Let's just try it like this. You are the Israelites. You are the Israelites. You've spent 45 years wandering. You've woken up in the morning. You've gotten out of your tent. There's manna. There's this like bread on the ground. And that's what you're eating every single day, except once a week you get some quail to eat as well. So essentially you're eating bread every day, and then once a week you're having some protein. I, I worry about the intestinal issues for 45 years of that. After 45 years of that, you've made your way across the Jordan River for the first time in your life, for the first time in generations and generations and generations. God made this promise centuries ago, but now for the very first time, you are walking into the promise. That's better than a football game. It's better than the Super Bowl. It's better than your team winning. You are experiencing something no generation before you has ever experienced. You are seeing the promise of God come to fruition. That's the shout I'm looking for. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. I love it when we have children with us. So what happens? So the troops shouted and the ram's horns, sound, ram's horns sounded when they heard the blast of the ram's horn. The troops gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. Skipping ahead to verse 27. And the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. We've spent our first two weeks in this sermon series talking about the preparation that has to happen to find yourself in this moment. We spent last week talking about breakthrough principles that are required to find yourself in this moment. But today, I want to focus on the three victory principles that we need to live in 
in order to see this kind of victory happen in our lives. So here, if you're taking notes today, and of course, I believe you're more spiritual if you're taking notes on a Sunday morning, you can bust out your phone and do it. If you're at home, you can just pretend like you are. First victory principle, victory principle number one, obstacles are opportunities. Obstacles are opportunities. So let me tell you a little bit about the city of Jericho. You may be familiar with the story. In fact, for most people, the walls of Jericho falling down, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho may be the most famous story from the book of Joshua. And of course, what happens when we're familiar with something? Familiarity leads to unfamiliarity, and of course, unfamiliarity leads to contempt. So what ends up happening is we become so familiar with the story, and we go, I know all there is to know about this story. Well, here's what you don't see if you're reading this in Joshua. Jericho wasn't a very big city. Jericho was not a big city. Jericho wasn't a very powerful city. It wasn't a city with a large population. It wasn't a city with a large army. Compared to the other cities of the region, Jericho was nothing special except for one issue. Jericho, because it was a small city with a small army, Jericho knew that the only way to guarantee their safety wasn't to have a larger population than other people because they would lose that battle. And Jericho's uh, strategic process couldn't be to have the largest army because they would lose that battle. So here's what the people of Jericho did. They built a massive wall. Now, the city wasn't large. You could march around the entire city of Jericho in less than a day. Jericho was just incredibly well fortified. So Jericho wasn't this scary place. Jericho was just a place that looked impenetrable. Jericho was a place that just had this massive obstacle in front of it. And so here's what I want you to know. The walls of Jericho were so large and they were so daunting in their appearance that, that it made the people of Jericho almost impossible to defeat in battle. And so what ended up happening is all the surrounding people groups and all the surrounding cities refused to do battle with Jericho because it wasn't worth it for them to endeavor to attack the city, to, to deal with all these walls and to try to amass a large enough army to take the walls down. It just wasn't worth it for them. They saw the walls, they saw the height of the obstacle in front of them, and they gave up. Listen to me. They failed before they ever tried. They failed before they ever tried. Now, I don't know what your life has looked like, but I can promise you this. Somewhere along the way in your life, there has been an opportunity that has come your way. Somewhere along the way in your life, something has shown up in front of you. You have approached something, and it became an obstacle to you. And what happened was the obstacle looked so big and so scary and so daunting, you had decided that you had been defeated before you ever entered the battle. You had decided that it was over before it ever began. And so you failed before you even tried. And that was the story 
of Jericho and all the surrounding peoples. Everyone else was so afraid of the size of the obstacle, they were unwilling to even engage. They failed before they tried. There's a famous quote that has been uh, attributed to Thomas Edison, but the first time it was ever attributed to Thomas Edison was about 30 years after his death. And so if you do some study, you find out that the most likely person who actually said this uh, was a guy named Henry Dodd. But I love this quote. He says, most people miss opportunity because it wears overalls and looks like work. Most people miss opportunity because it wears overalls and looks like work. I want you to know right now that by the power of the blood of Jesus and by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, there is no obstacle in your life that is insurmountable. And maybe the worst thing that we could do as followers of Jesus, maybe the worst things that we could do as a follower of Jesus is to get sucked into the trap of all the surrounding people groups around Jericho and to fail before we ever try. To quit before we even get started. Because the truth is, is that obstacles are opportunities. But if we see only the obstacle instead of seeing the opportunity, the obstacle will be too big and too scary and too daunting, and we will decide that we can't do it. But instead, if we look at the obstacle and we say, hey, that's an opportunity there, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, it's going to take hard work, it's going to demand that we give our very best to it. But that's an opportunity there then what once was an obstacle, what once became a place of your failure can instead become a place of your great blessing. Michael Hyatt says it this way, an obstacle is just an opportunity in disguise. So victory principle number one, how do we live in biblical victory to recognize that obstacles are opportunities Our second victory principle, victory principle number two, consistency produces efficacy. Consistency produces efficacy. I love the word efficacy, but as I was going through these notes, I realized that not everyone may know what this word means. Efficacy means effectiveness. Efficacy means how effective you can be at, 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 something, at, at something being accomplished. And so let me put it a different way that we, we might be able to understand together. Long obedience is the secret to big results. Long obedience is the secret to big results. So I want you to think about what God has commanded the people of Israel to do when they show up to Jericho. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get everyone together, get the Ark of the Covenant, get the seven priests and the seven ram's horns. I want you to take everyone, all the people of Israel, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to march around the walls of the city. And Joshua going, hey, that's a great idea. We're going to go out there and we're going to get the lay of the land. We're going to kind of sketch things out. We're going to see where the weak spots are. And so they go out and they do that one day. All right, we've done it. And Joshua gets up the next day and he's like, all right, here we go again. 
I need the seven priests and the seven ram's horns and the Ark of the Covenant and all the people of Israel, and we're going to go march around the city again. Okay, Joshua, I thought we covered that yesterday, but sure, let's do it. The third day comes. Hey, guys, guess what we're doing today? I need seven priests, seven ram's horn. I need the Ark of the Covenant. We're all together. We're marching around the city again. By the time you get to the fifth day, don't you think the people of Israel were just going again? Really? When are we actually going to engage in battle? When are we actually going to pick up our weapons? Joshua, when are we actually going to do something? Because sometimes in our life, long obedience doesn't look like action. Sometimes in our life, long obedience, consistency and commitment to what God has called you to do may not always look like action. But I promise you this, if you will stay obedient to God, if you will stay obedient over time, if you will stay consistent in your obedience, it will pay off huge in the end. Sixth day, they get up. All right, guys, come on around the city again on the seventh day. All right, it's the seventh day, so we got to get up early because we got to make this happen seven times. They get up, and now they're blowing the ram's horn the whole time, one time around the city, two times around the city, three times around the city, four times around the city, five times around the city. On the seventh time around the city, there's a prolonged horn blow. And the people of Israel shout. And that impenetrable obstacle, that obstacle that seemed like it was so big and nothing could ever happen to knock it down, nothing could ever happen to change it, they shouted and the walls fell down. Now here's what I know to be true. With God, all things are possible. And so God, in his goodness, God in his righteousness could have just said, you know what, Joshua, Israel gets the city. God could have snapped his fingers and that city could have fallen to the ground in rubble and dust. But God calls his people to a long process of consistent obedience. And here's why that's so important for us. God doesn't call us to long, consistent obedience for his benefit. He calls us to long, consistent obedience for ours. There are so many people that I meet. It's, it's incredible over the years that what you can often see happen. So many people that I meet that arrive at a, a season of life, they arrive at 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, and they suddenly are looking at their life and they're going, I thought I'd be somewhere else. They get to a point in their life and they're like, I thought I'd be further along than this. I thought I'd be further along. I thought I'd be somewhere else. You, I can't tell you the number of times that I meet people and then they're in their 70s and 80s and I'm going, don't you want to retire? Don't you want to be done? And they're going, I can't. And you're going, why not? Because I didn't prepare for it. I didn't plan for it. There was no long obedience to get me to where I wanted to be. And sometimes we can act that way. Sometimes we can, can act like, man, you know what's going to happen? I'm just going to magically end up where I want to be. 
That's not a plan. We've got to decide now. We've got to decide now what we want then. We've got to decide now who we want to be then. And then we've got to be faithful every single day to take step after step after step in that direction. Because that's the only way it's going to happen. A long obedience in a single direction is the only way you will arrive at the kind of blessing that God wants for you. Long obedience in a single direction. Paul and Judy Poppin are here. Paul and Judy, how long have y'all been married now? 53 years. You don't get to 53 years of marriage overnight. You get to 53 years of marriage one day at a time. You keep showing up. You keep being faithful. You keep being consistent. You keep walking in that long obedience in a single direction. And then you find yourself going, wow, we've been here for 53 years Look at, the, look at what we've got to share. Look at the testimony of faithfulness. Look at the blessing that we've experienced and the blessing that we receive. We all want shortcuts. And can we just be honest about that? We all want shortcuts. There's no greater example to me that we all want shortcuts than the number of people who play the lottery whenever the Powerball gets to a billion dollars. Everyone just had that sudden look in their face like it might be them. That's okay. It would amaze you to find out the number of people who win the lottery and then end up declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. Because here's the truth. There's no shortcut to financial biblical blessings. And if you weren't wise enough in the management and stewardship of your money that you're playing Powerball every week, winning all that money isn't going to change that. Because long obedience isn't about changing your circumstance. Long obedience is about changing you. Long obedience is what happens when we allow God day by day, step by step, to change us. So long obedience is the secret to big results. Long obedience. The people of Israel were faithful to God. They kept showing up day after day after day after day. That's when we see the walls come down in our life. Consistency produces efficacy. There's a book by a pastor who's, who's gone now that, that I love dearly. His name is Eugene Peterson. He wrote a book called Along Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society. And I love the way that he said this in his book. There is a great market for religious experience in our world. Because we all want religious experience. We all want the shortcut. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship 
in holiness. If you want to experience victory in an area of your life, if you want to experience the victory of God, if you want to experience the blessing of God, it doesn't come through shortcuts and it doesn't come overnight, and it doesn't come with momentary experiences. It comes when we sign up for the patient acquisition of virtue and for the long apprenticeship of holiness. It means consistency produces efficacy. So finally, our third victory principle. Our third victory principle, and in a world we live in right now where social media has taken so much of our attention, and there is this constant push for notoriety and fame. One of the things that I find interesting, there was an article that was published in Time Magazine a few years back, and it talked about how a generation ago, when children were asked what it is they wanted to be when they'd grow up, they would often name a particular occupation. But the trend that we're beginning to see over the last 20 years is that when you ask an elementary age child now what they want to be when they grow up, the trend is less towards an occupation and more towards fame. So instead of, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a fireman, or I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be a scientist. Now it is, I want to be famous. So our third victory principle, let God build your stage. I think about verse 27 in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 6. God was with Joshua and his fame grew. I know way too many people who have tried to make their name and their notoriety and their fame grow. But if you're trying to make your fame grow, you will look for shortcut after shortcut after shortcut. Here's what I want to tell you. Let God worry about your name. Let God worry about your name. You live for his. Because if you will live for his name, he'll take care of the rest. Because if you live for the name of Jesus, You don't have to worry about whether or not you're ever famous or whether or not you ever have the kind of name that echoes throughout eternity. And here's why. Because there's only one name that eternity is going to remember, and it's the name of Jesus. Jesus alone has the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So if I live for his name, then I get to play a role in the name that will last throughout eternity instead of trying to make my little name matter now. Let God build your stage. Let God worry about your name and your fame. You live for his. You live for his name and his fame And when you win, and I promise you, I promise you this, if you will begin to see obstacles as opportunities, if you will begin to embrace this idea that your consistency will produce efficacy, you will see victories in your life. You will see victories big and small in your life. And when those victories come, give all the glory to God.
When those victories come, don't start worrying about your name and your fame and your notoriety. Live for the name of Jesus, and he will take care of yours. Israel Moore of your once said this, Leaders don't climb hills of success with shoes of pride. They are slippery enough to bring a person down to the valley. Leaders don't climb hills of success with shoes of pride because shoes of pride are slippery enough to bring you down to the valley. Joshua was obedient to God. Joshua was living for the fame of God. Joshua was doing what God commanded him to do. Joshua's fame spread not because of what Joshua did, but because of what God did. Let God take care of your stage. Let God be the one to build your platform. Don't worry about who gets the credit. I will tell you, I've seen so many victories. I've seen so much blessing undone by people who were fighting over who got the credit. Don't worry about who gets the credit. You be faithful. You keep showing up. You keep living for the name of Jesus. And just watch what he'll do. So our three victory principles today. Obstacles are opportunities. Consistency produces efficacy. And let God build your stage. These victory principles are crucial for us to know, and they're crucial for us to know right now because, church, I believe that we are on the precipice of a season the church has never seen before. I'm not talking about this specific local body. I'm saying I believe that the global followers of Jesus are getting ready to experience victory in a way we've never seen it before. I believe that unprecedented revival is coming on the other side of this season. And so I want us to be abundantly sure right now that we know our victory principles. I want us to be abundantly clear right now that if we will see obstacles as opportunities, if we will recognize that our consistency produces efficacy, and if we will let God build our stage, church, we are going to step into unprecedented blessing. So my heart for us, my heart for us as a community of faith, my heart for us as a people is simply this. I want us to be ready to win. I want us to be ready to win. But in order for that to happen, we need to be abundantly clear about what winning is. Winning is not becoming victorious over some culture war, over some political battle. Winning is what happens when we begin to live as the people that Christ has called us to be and the fruit of that victory is more and more people are added to their number daily.
In the book of Acts, we saw what victory looked like. And victory happened for a group of people that had no political power. They had no worldly wealth. What they had was an undying commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over and over again in the book of Acts, we read these words. And thousands were added to those who were being saved. I believe victory is coming. We just need to be abundantly clear about what victory is. A win for us is to see a new person confess Jesus Christ as Lord. A win for us is every single person that is raised up out of those baptismal waters aligning their life with the life of Christ. And I believe unprecedented victory is coming.